I'll read from you uh, chapter uh, 26 of Matthew. This uh, takes place in the week uh, that we are entering. When Jesus finished speaking all the words, he said to his disciples, you know that the Passover is two days from now and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. And the chief priests and elders of the people gathered in the courtyard of Caiaphas, the high priest, and they were plotting to arrest Jesus by cunning tricks and to kill him. But they agreed that it shouldn't happen during the feast so there wouldn't be an uproar among the people. When Jesus was at Bethany visiting the house of Simon, who had a skin disease, a woman came to him with a, a vase made of alabaster containing very expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' head while he was sitting at, at dinner. Now when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, Why this waste? This perfume could have been sold for a lot of money and given to the poor. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. He said, Why do you make trouble for that woman? She's done a good thing for me. You always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. By pouring this perfume over my body, she's prepared me for to be buried. I tell you the truth, that wherever in the world uh, this good news is announced, what she's done will also be hold in memory of her. And then one of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and he said, What will you give me if I turn Jesus over to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver. From that time on, he was looking for an opportunity to turn him in. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover meal? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and say, The teacher says, My time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. The disciples did just as Jesus instructed them. They prepared the Passover. And that evening, he took his place at the table with the 12 disciples. He, as they were eating, he said, I assure you that one of you will betray me. Deeply saddened, each one said to him, I'm not the one, am I, Lord? He replied, the one who will betray me is the one who dips his hand with me into this bowl. The Son of Man goes to his death just as it was written about him. But how terrible it is for that person to betray the human one. It would have been better for him if he had never been born. Now Judas, who would be betray him, replied, It's not me, is it, Rabbi? Jesus answered, You said it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew what would happen. We don't always know, and so we ponder your word, and we ask you to place it in our hearts so that when our time comes, when it's our cross to bear, you would you would be present with us and we would recognize your voice and your way. 
So today, as we ponder the word appointed for us today, let it be your word instilled in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I've been inspired by Jesus' entry into Jerusalem for Passover on what we have come to know as Palm Sunday because people greeted him by spreading palm branches in their coats on the road in front of him. I suppose we could call it Coat Sunday, but Palm Sunday makes more sense. You notice that Matthew, well, if you read Matthew, uh, his, his report of Palm Sunday uh, has Jesus riding on a donkey and a colt um, as Jesus was, was, was reading uh, Zechariah the prophet, uh, drawing upon the prophet uh, who says, Jerusalem's king will come, righteous and victorious, humble, and, and riding on an ass, on a colt, the offspring of a donkey. Matthew read that as two animals. Mark and Luke wrote that as one and put that in his gospel. The other, the other, uh, the other gospel writers are those that we usually read, but it's an interesting bit of, of the Palm Sunday literature. But in either case, Zechariah, the connection is fitting for Christ's followers because it speaks of how the new king will uh, cut off the war horse from Jerusalem and he will speak peace to the nations. Biblical scholars like Marcus, Marcus Borg draw a contrast between Jesus' entry in, uh, from, from Bethany and Bethpage on the east into Jerusalem and the likely procession of the Roman governor, Pilate, from his coastal city base in Caesarea on the west, coming into Jerusalem, perhaps the very same day. Jesus, the king of peace, came humbly on a donkey. Pilate came to Jerusalem for Passover on horses with a garrison of Roman soldiers to impress with pomp and power to prevent an uprising. What inspired me this, this time was the way that Jesus dared to insert him into human society and into Jerusalem. This public ride into Jerusalem showed me that. As Jesus, the man, he demonstrated a radically different pattern of human behavior than what was normal with the Roman governor's procession, a pattern for Jesus of humility and service. As Jesus the Christ, that pattern of behavior reflected the divine will of how humans should behave toward God and their neighbor. We might call that pattern the original normal. To give an example of what I mean, I'll tell you a short story. As we had before, 14 of us gathered at a restaurant for breakfast. We had already prayed together at the daily dawn prayer of this Korean church in south suburban Chicago at 5 in the morning, after which we went to the forest preserve to walk. 
When we arrived at the restaurant, we put together several tables to make one for the 14 of us. One of the men, an elder of the church, stood at the end of the long table and, and prayed in thanksgiving for our food and our fellowship. It's something you and I would do at home. But the first time we did this in the restaurant, I was a bit embarrassed because I was thinking about the other people in the restaurant for whom an overheard prayer may be unexpected or maybe even weird because one doesn't usually see people praying in restaurants. It's not that we were bothering anyone. We weren't unnecessarily loud, but people might see us praying. But why isn't it normal? And what has so changed the way we live that expressing our faith by giving thanks to God is now weird? The elder praying at the end of the table was demonstrating a new way that is normal for us to be. He did it publicly, but without intent to show off or, or cause disturbance. Simply by doing it in public, what he does every day in giving thanks to God, he, he modeled what he taught and what Christ taught was appropriate human behavior. And in a sense, he was inserting that into history that people could see and follow if they so choose. At least have an excuse. Well, he did it. We could do it too. And let me set a context for us. Whether you accept the, the, the story, a creation story with Adam and Eve to be myth or history, the fact is humanity has been placed in an abundant garden that can provide for everyone. And we have multiplied ourselves to the point that we are able to care for the entire garden earth. Now we're learning what works and what helps the garden and what doesn't work, what doesn't help in caring for it. And we're learning how to get along with each other. Now, now according to Jesus, the way to live well or to live eternally is to love God who created this garden and to love the family of gardeners. This way of love is what I, I call the, not the new normal, it's the actually the original normal that we have abandoned, deciding that we know better than the creator when we fight with the other gardeners over ownership and control. We know better than, than God. Everything Jesus did was to demonstrate this new but original normal. On the Sabbath, he demonstrated that it's more loving to heal a blind man or to give life to a dead man than it is to keep the Sabbath law. Inserting that into history, that we still tell this story. In position of leadership, he, he knelt down and washed his followers' feet demonstrating that it's more loving to serve each other than it is to be served. 
And when he was at the well of an excluded religious group with a single woman, he demonstrated intentional intimacy and inclusion when he asked for a drink and offered her living water. When approached by a hated tax collector, he demonstrated his love with a shared meal. When approached by a rich man who wanted heaven too, he thought the charity of giving one's whole life. When the law prevented contact, prohibited contact with Gentiles, he, he healed one's daughter. In all he did, Jesus inserted a new but original norm to a time and place that had supposedly taught it but abandoned it. It was clearly offensive and cost his life. But he led the world to eternal and sustainable living. It's easy to think for us that in our time, this way is not practical. It led to his death, after all, and we surmise it would lead to failure in a time when everything is politicized and weaponized. But I challenge us to look more deeply. Look at this church, for example, what you have done. What you're doing at insert a new normal than what society thinks is right, which is actually, for us, the original normal. I, I was reminded in conversation recently that this church has, has welcomed and absorbed in its midst a congregation of Ghanaian immigrants. You remember that? Some of you do. And some of you supported and, and visited a ministry in Ghana. But I challenge us to be intentional about seeing that history of this church as the new norm and celebrating it with additional visits and highlighted mission giving and outreach to other immigrant groups in Milwaukee, many of whom are hurting. The way of the garden must reach the whole world. If this is your calling, let me know. I'll get you connected. Some of you have heard me complain that our numerous food ministries do not lead to change in the number of hungry people or a change in their access to a welcoming spiritual fellowship. At the same time, the historic dedication of this church to sharing the produce of the earthly garden to all people, regardless of their position in the capitalist economic structure, is a sign of a heart that knows the way of the garden. So I challenge us to continue the food ministries, but to develop ways to give love as well as food, and to visibly demonstrate the way of the garden to, to those who are coming for food and to those who have the capacity to give it without practicing what has been called toxic charity. If this is your calling, let me know. 
One more. Jesus taught us that humility allows us to reach out to the children. This church has historically, and again, this recently, prioritized its family, spiritual fellowship, and development. That's why my family came here, and perhaps several of yours as well. We have a team working to reinvent Wednesday Night Live, our midweek fellowship study and music program that has done more to bring neighborhood families into our programs than most other things we do. We have not reached its potential to outreach in programming or in connecting to the congregation's welcoming and loving fellowship. If this or other small groups you think are needed, let me know. I'll get you connected. My point is, this church has made a difference, made an impact as the church of Jesus Christ. And you have demonstrated a new but not so new normal and inserted it into a, boy, how do you describe this community? Sometimes I call it the executive suites of Milwaukee, Whitefish Bay. You brought it here. I love being here with you. Work is not done. This is our cross. There may be betrayers and deniers, people who find it easier to leave, but they will know we are Christians by our love. This is my prayer for the church. Amen.